This is the Gambling Gauchos. If you've got a hot take for us or a question or a comment, anything else, go ahead and get in the queue. Uh, we'll get to as many as we can, as always. And uh, try to have a good time on a Wednesday night after an ONA start in Big 12 play. Barnett, Howard & Williams, bhwlawfirm.com. They hope you never need them, but they're here for you if you do. They handle all sorts of cases, catastrophic injury, uh, criminal defense, certified in Title IX, student litigation, whatever you need, bhwlawfirm.com. Um, where do you all want to start? It looked decent in the, uh, in the first half, and then... What we've seen happen over and over this season, a poor second half, uh, the team apparently being behind in terms of adjustments, scheme. I know there's other factors. Pop got hurt. You know, wasn't playing that well even before the injury. A lot to unpack here, Rob. Where do you want to start with this? I was listening uh, on the radio on my way home from uh, calling a high school game. And I just want to give you one of Jeff Haxton's calls. You ready? Dribbling, 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 18-footer, no good. <laughs> that was a Texas yeah, Tech that offensive. Sounds about that, right. was, that was a Texas Tech offensive possession. <laughs> sounds about right. And that's a shame because Hacks knows how to call an exciting play. Oh yeah. Um There's nothing I, going I know on. we have bigger con- I know we have bigger concerns than that, but um yeah, Hacks is pretty good when there's a, a guns-up three-ball or an alley-oop or a nice assist, but we're not giving him much of that to call these days. Um, 0-10 against quad one or quad two opponents. Now, I'd be lying if I said I know the exact parameters of quad one and quad two, but more or less, that's teams with a pulse. Those are schools that are not a directional low-major, mid-major so you're 0-10 against teams that have anywhere near comparable resources that you do. And that's just really bad because even if you're a bad team, you know, the, the way probability shakes out, if you've got a, an, a 20% chance to win a game 10 times in a row, you ought to at least luck your way into one or two of those. So to be 0-10 is just – and I know people have – I call it excuses or reasons like, oh, the team is young. Fardaz is hurt. Pop got hurt in this one. Like, okay, but at some point you're 0-10, you know, and like there has to be some sort of reckoning for that and then just an acknowledgement that there is a problem. Now we can debate the specifics of what the problem is or what the problems are and how severe they are. But, I mean, there was a point in the season, Rob, where like I didn't feel like we were very good and – a large swath of the fan base was like really not even willing to acknowledge that anything was wrong. They were sure that we were just one more game away from turning a corner or one injury away from turning the corner. And if that's the case, it hasn't happened yet. Do you know how many road wins that uh, West Virginia has in big 12 play since February of 2021? Was this their first? Yes. Awesome. Love that. Okay, well, I'm sure we'll have more thoughts later. Mr. Root is uh, in the house, requested to speak. What do you got for us, Mr. Root? Well, I was going to uh, hit you with that. At T- West Virginia's last road Big 12 win was at TCU in 2021 tidbit. So, My bad. Great job, Mark Adams, for getting uh, Bob Huggins his – First road win in 700 plus days. Uh, congratulations. Uh, like to see that. Um, one question. My birthday is in two weeks from tomorrow. Do you think Texas Tech will have a win? Or will I turn 32 before Tech gets another win? They might win uh, against LSU because they are legitimately dog crap. But, I mean, they, it's just very... Uh, unfun basketball to watch right now. Yeah, certainly unfun. I, I think they can beat LSU. I thought they could beat West Virginia. I thought they could beat Oklahoma. I thought they could beat a lot of these teams they played. So 
the only thing you can do is go and uh, keep out and play them, right? I mean, there's nothing else we can do as fans. Um, you just kind of have to watch the team play, and if they win, they win. If they don't, we'll keep watching, I guess. One more thing. Remember to go watch the Lady Raiders um, on Saturday at 2 o'clock. They're playing Baylor. And I believe the uh, 30th anniversary national championship team is going to be there. So, you know, let's believe, support the ladies. I believe all alumni, Lady Raider alumni are invited, but they're going to honor the 30th anniversary team. Yeah, correct. Is, is Krista Gerlich going to be there, do you know, from that 1993 team? I, I believe she I'm not be sure. There. Yeah. I wonder what kind oh. of shoes he's going to wear. <laughs> Rob, over under that Krista Gerlich is there on Saturday? Uh, over. Let's get <laughs> okay. to another um, Hey, I thought our uniforms looked good. Um, maybe we could have some uniform discourse as well to, to lighten the mood. Uh, before we do that, let's get to Desert Boy. Howdy, guys. Yeah, uh, you mentioned probability – from my text perspective, there's just a chance, even if we are bad, we should get a dub here and there. But that's not really how probability works. There's also the chance that teams that are worse than us get a dub. So I I think that's kind of what we're seeing right now. I think we're, we're getting um, really close in games that against actual Final Four contenders, uh, obviously not tonight in versus Iowa State. Um, but we can still make the tourney. I think five wins in the Big 12 and maybe a win in the Big 12 tourney uh, gets us into, into it, March. It does, and I love your optimism, but the math says seven wins in the Big 12. Seven. And that's the low end. Is the CBI still a tournament? Yeah, but you have to pay to go, and I don't think they will. I think I think even seven wins is like you said, Rob, low end, and that sort of assumes that you've got a legit non-con record, and we don't have that. And so, and and I was thinking about that during the game. I was like, you know what? If this is a rebuilding year, and you go six and twelve, okay. But to go six and twelve, you have to finish six and two. And in this, uh, no, sorry, you'd have to finish. Help me out with the math here. Six and four. Which, if you go six and four against teams in this conference, that's really good. Um, I mean, that would be, I don't want to say miraculous, but that would be a really good 10 game stretch if you finish six and four in big 12 play. And that's just to get to six and 12. But there's a difference between a rebuilding year where you go six and 12 and just like the wheels coming off and you go two and 16 or something. And I fear that's what we're staring down the barrel of right now. Thanks for chiming in, uh, Desert Boy. Is this a burrito with a scope? I think we're a uh, former something come in. Yes, sir. That's me. I'm a huge fan of the pod. I, I appreciate you letting me speak. Uh, you know, my roommate and I were deliberating over, you know, what, what, what are our shortcomings? And we were thinking about what a successful, you know, what a successful model looks for a Texas Tech basketball team. You go on there and you look at the most recent team, and you see length and experience, you know. I mean, if we started 10, 10 different starting fives throughout the year, you know, eight of those probably had dudes where everybody was over 6'6", six, six, right? And then um, just experience, man. I mean, we're just some young pups out there. We'll, we're definitely going to get better. But I'd just say those are the two shortcomings that we can think of right now. Yes, it's, it's definitely a different type of personnel than you had last season where you were just mm -hmm. cloning six six athletic dudes that could defend the perimeter. I mean, you had Absolutely. Davion Warren, Adonis Arms, Shannon McCullough, all just kind of like rotating in and out. I mean, um, even guys like Ogbo, you know, your your three deep guys. I mean, they were still lengthy. More, yeah, they're longer than what we have this year. So I I do see Jackson. Uh, Jackson, if you want to speak, go for it. I know you sort of have some thoughts and you've compiled a lot of information on the on the youth of this team. It is a young team, but it's not its not that much of a delta versus the rest of the conference. No. Um, I wouldn't like, say I the think, conference has changed that much either. Yeah. Like, I think Jackson found that – I think we're the youngest team in terms of, like, minutes played by dudes that, um, you know, have fewer than three years of experience. But it's by, like, 1% of minutes played and, like, teams 9, 8, and 7 in that same metric are not that – 
not that far off from us. Jackson, do you have those numbers ready? He's still getting them, man. Jackson? He's pulling them up. He's getting them. Oh, okay. Still <laughs> muted right now. We're, yeah. we're waiting with there great anticipation. Nope, he's gone. <laughs> he tried. <laughs> All right. Uh, in the meantime, yeah. let's get to Big Let's get to Big Hen and see what Big Hen has to say. Appreciate y'all having me on. Thank Absolutely, you. Absolutely, man. He's Didn't on. mean to interrupt. But... No, you're, no, you're good. Yourself. Thanks for the thoughts. Yeah. Uh, what's up, guys? Um... I'm in my bathroom again, so the echo. Uh, first of all, this loss is on me, hundred percent. I'm owning it, putting it on my shoulders. It was too much. It was it was Big Hen Day in the Discord. It was too much about me. wasn't enough about the team. That's on me. Uh, second off, this is why you bet. This is why you emotional hedge. I nailed it two two and zero oh on the under and West Virginia plus three and a half. Um, but yeah. It was a, that was a that was a rough game. I turned it off with like six minutes left because I just would rather watch White Lotus at this point. So uh, hopefully they get it turned around. But I, I, I at this point I doubt it. Have so you, anyways, later. Have you been in the bathroom since six minutes remaining? <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm I mean I, I live in bathrooms. Oh, okay, I, I live and die in bathrooms. Man. That is true. So. You you work there. You you earn your money in a bathroom and uh... yeah yeah. This emoji no, hey, but, off. Uh, this emoji off in the chat is killing me. By the way, hey, nobody emojis harder than Briggs. No, he does not. I, I think, I think Big Hen makes some good points though, because you know I I was tweeting about the uniforms, which I liked them, and there were some quality there were some quality responses to that saying I don't care what we wear, let's just win the game, and that that's a good point. Like we were not focused enough on West Virginia tonight. And that showed. And so we need to do better as a fan base and make sure that we're just absolutely locked in on LSU and that all the tweets are laser focused. We don't need to be worrying about uniforms or memes or big hen puns. We just need to lock in <laughs> on the Tigers and, and get off the snide here. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. I, for one, enjoyed big hen day and I hope it turns into big hen week, though. Uh, it, as we can see, it, it doesn't it doesn't end well. So I, I feel like I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe it's maybe it's root, Mr. Root Week or something. Uh, that, I feel like that's got to come next. Well, I don't know if that'll happen. But... <laughs> <laughs> Too much pressure. I can't do it. Yeah. I mean, on the other hand, things couldn't get much worse. No matter whose week it is, it looks like Maddie, Stephen, and Briggs are are downvoting Mr. Root Week. So I think that might have been vetoed. All right, let's get to Drew. <laughs> Drew, what's up, man? Oh, sorry. What's up, guys? How you doing? Doing good. So I am not a Texas Tech fan. I am a KU fan. But I really enjoy your guys' content, and that's why I'm in here. I'm not trying to start anything. All and right. uh, Thank you. I'm really surprised – how tech season is going. I was pretty high on them going into the year. I thought they'd be uh, like a, one of the six, like for sure tournament teams. And, you know, that was a really back and forth game down in Lubbock to start the big 12 season that could have gone either way between KU and tech. And I just, I don't know. The fact that tech's 0 and 8 just like really shocks me. Yeah. It shocks me too. Can I counter with another question? Um, how is Kevin McCuller doing? Uh, there were some tweets during the last game. Kansas themselves are on an 0 and 3 streak there. Uh, lots yeah. of lots of frustration. Um, Juwan Harris, Kevin McCuller, are those guys struggling, or is it just kind of the fan base kind of reeling from an 0 and 3 run? Well, it's a little bit of both. Uh, McCuller, the K State game, didn't score. I remember texting one of my buddies that McCuller was being an absolute zero out there. Yeah. And I'm overall a, a big fan of him. I liked him at Texas Tech. Obviously, I like him now because he plays for my team. Um, and then he got a steal, missed a layup, and then got fouled and missed both free throws. And then Bill Self left him in the game, and he fouled out. He was bad that game. He was okay against TCU, and that was a blowout. And then he had a double-double against Baylor. So I think he's fine. I just think the fan base kind of just splashes out. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's hard not to. And again – you yeah, three stretch I mean, Jill, for y'all, 0-8 stretch for Texas Tech. So I, I understand the fan base being frustrated. Yeah, like he's had some bad games, but he also, like he hit a big three against Wisconsin down in battle for Atlantis, and we won that game by one. Um, 
he made some big plays against Duke early in the year, and that was like a three-point victory. So he's made some big plays. So I I, I overall like him. I, I think some people, just because like he had entered his name in the draft and all this stuff, that people expected him to be like this actual like NBA level college player, and it's like he's a good he's a good role player. You'd agree with that, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. But I like I didn't expect too much from him. I think that was kind of I don't want to go way off topic here, but I think that was kind of the quote unquote issue at Texas Tech was like he wanted to be a certain type of player. He wanted to be a true point guard. And that wasn't really his game. I mean, he was he was decent at that, but he would have been a lot better as just like a wing defender and then kind of carving out a different role on the offensive end of the floor. Um, and so I guess he thought that, you know, Kansas would be a better offensive system for him or whatever. But, yeah, I, I agree kind of on the on the type of player he is. Like he could be a really elite role player. I mean, even that term kind of I think probably diminishes it a little too much. Like if he's your fourth best starter, I think you have like a really good squad. If he's If he wants to be like the number one or number two dude on the team, then I think you – you know, maybe have a little bit lower ceiling, but yeah, I'm I'm surprised that Texas Tech has been this bad uh, to start conference play, and you know, I don't think Kansas started bad. They're on a rough stretch the last three games, but I think more of that just speaks to how loaded the conference is, top to bottom. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Well, good thoughts, man. Appreciate you joining, um, Rob. What else do you want to? get to here well, we got another speaker jordan if you want to oh. chime in you can yeah i miss that yeah guys um appreciate y'all having me on but i was just kind of reaching out i'm not on any of the boards um so this answer might be on there but do you guys know what steve green does exactly because i feel like before the season started we were kind of sold this pie in the sky idea that he was bringing the golden state warriors offense to tech and it seems we're still doing the same three-man weave that we were doing when Chris Beard was here. So I'm not sure if y'all have any insider have heard what he brings to the table. Kyle, you want to take this one? <laughs> I was going to ask if you wanted to. <laughs> um, I, I will if you don't want to, but I, I don't know. That I, I mean, I guess I'll. Say. Yeah, I mean, I'll try my best. I don't. Okay. I don't have like inside info, and like I, I wouldn't be able to tell you that. You know, during practice every week, Steve Green's role is X, Y, Z. Um, I do think that it's pretty clear what we witness on the offensive end of the floor every game is not what his track record would, you know, kind of uh, would lead you to believe that we that we would look like that. And I do think the the whole Golden State Warriors thing, I think that was thrown out like once in an article in The Athletic and everybody just like latched onto it and thought we were going to be the Golden State Warriors. But I I think the broader point that you're kind of getting at is that both seasons Mark Adams has been at the helm, it does not appear that he allows his quote-unquote offensive coordinator, which is an unofficial title, but Barrett Peary last year, Steve Green this year, it doesn't appear that he allows them to kind of run the offense with freedom and to do what they're experts at doing. And whether that perception is accurate or not, fair or not, um, well, I I think it's – I know with at least some amount of certainty it's it's accurate to some extent. Um, Like, I don't think Peary's departure was totally mutual. Um, So anyway, yeah, I I think it's fair to wonder if if the head man in charge is not allowing the coaches he hires to run the offense to, like, really kind of do that to the greatest of their ability. Gotcha. And, and whether that's fair or not, the offense has not been great the last two years. And so like the buck has to stop somewhere. Uh, and so even if, even if what we've witnessed the last two years is 100% Barrett Perry's offense and 100% Steve Green's offense, um, it still speaks to maybe the head coach not identifying and attracting the right guy to run the offense. But I don't think that's the case for gotcha. whatever it's worth. Cause we were doing some really cool stuff. I mean, I don't even know it's really cool, but it was really cool compared to what we normally run whenever Fardaz um, finally came back with some um, high post action with him, which is different than what we normally do. But as soon as he gets subbed out, we go right back to the same three-man weave stuff that just makes your eyes bleed because they dribble for 18 seconds, then pop waste of three. But well, Yeah, and, and I'll, I'll say this too, it, real quick. 
I thought I think Bryson Williams was so good last year that he sort of masked a lot of your other deficiencies because like as a whole the the offensive stats weren't stellar last year but when it was a big moment or to stop a drought or whatever he just kind of like gave Bryson the ball let him cook and he would it felt like about 95 percent of the time go get a bucket whenever you needed one and this year's team doesn't seem to have that same type of guy yeah I just have one more uh I guess point to make but I think we're really going to see here down the stretch how good of a coach Mark Adams is, depending on if he s- switches away from his defensive scheme. Because like um, one of the speakers earlier pointed out, our roster makeup is much shorter and different. And if we keep putting Bacho out there guarding the three-point line and getting destroyed on the offensive boards because of our defensive scheme, it's going to be a very, very long season. Yeah, you would think, though, by the end of January, that change would have already been made if it was going to be made. Um, we'll see, True. But, but an 0-8 start, you should be able to shake some something loose before then. Yeah, and I mean, I get that it's gotten him this far, but seeing Notre Dame figure it out in the tournament last year and just run screens until they get their point guard on, at that point, I think it was Silva. But... I mean, Mark Adams has been figured out, which hurts because I was happy whenever he got signed. But I think uh, NCAA might have caught up to him and, and passed him. But well, I mean, I'll, uh, I'll hop off now. If the oh. if if him being figured out, and thanks, Jordan. Uh, we'll move on to Tyrell in a second. But if the if Mark Adams being figured out is just hit twice the amount of threes you normally hit, uh, then yeah, he's been figured out. But I mean, again, I just don't think yes. you have the talent this year. And that's roster makeup and that's roster management. But he's already said you need to people, get older and, and you can't get older in the middle of a season. I get that. And, and people are definitely hitting a ton of threes, but we're giving them a ton of open threes because they figured out to screen the backside defender in the paint. Sure. No, I, I know what you're saying. I just, I, I don't know that it's as, I don't know that it's that simple. I think there's more to it. And I think it's a little bit of a cop out to just say, well, you know, just switch the scheme and you'll be better because I don't think that's possible. I don't. And again, you, you practice a certain scheme and you practice playing a certain way. You can't just say, all right, we're going to run zone this game. It's not quite like, I don't know, in football where you can just say, all right, let's, let's try the four-man front this week. It's, it's something that you have to practice and get good at and hone. And I don't think you can make that big of a switch in the middle of a season. Okay, cool. Thanks, guys. People's Post Game, sponsored by Barnett, Howard, and Williams. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in and for your input, comments, questions. Uh, loving the interaction here. We got several more speakers to get to. I, Rob, I don't ever want to call out anybody in these, but I do want to just extend like special invitations. Our good buddy, Irrational, the, the king of West Virginia memes. If you want to hop in here, feel free. If you don't, that's okay, too. I think... Uh, oh, sorry, Rob, we have a bunch of people who requested and I didn't approve them. Um, I am going to add Ty first and then we'll get to the others. Ty, what do you got for us? Oh, hey, what's going on, y'all? How you doing? Not much, man. Just having fun on a Wednesday night. Yeah, it's another uh, another great night. Uh, not sure how many people here in the chat uh, were around in 2011 and 2012. Dating myself a little bit here. That's when I went to school. We won two conference games, I believe, in 2012, but it was rough. Um, the, the USA was so empty that I would actually like yell when the other team would be shooting free throws because I knew my dad would be watching in the living room. And I'd be like, hey, Greg, Greg, are you watching? What's going on? And he could kind of hear me like just faintly. But um, I hope we don't get to that point. It's, it's unfortunate to see the stretch we're going to. Uh, I'm not going to hug the mic. I just did want to clear up one other little misconception. I feel like I keep hearing a lot on the, in the Twitter world, and that's that we're a young team. We're really about average as far as the NCAA is concerned, um, as far as our average age. O'Banner is not a spring chicken. DeMorian Williams is not a spring chicken. Neither is Davion Harmon. And, um, and, and I mock are also pretty old. So, I mean, I, don't, I agree with Rob that it's not a situation where scheme change. I'm not sure I completely buy that we're super talented, to be honest. I think we just may have really swung and missed. 
uh, on this transfer class, but I do think there's some promising young guns. Uh, but to say we're a young team, I don't think is quite accurate. Good thoughts. I think I remember one of those wins in 2012 because I was walking across campus and heard the victory bells. And I remember thinking for a moment, like, what could that possibly be for? <laughs> and then I was, oh, we beat OU in basketball because um, Rob Lewandowski, who's like my uh, cousin-in-law or something, I'm like somehow related to him. He went off. I remember. And, and yeah, we beat OU. So anyway, uh, <laughs> those those, I, you know, what? to be honest, if it was in 2012, I was, you know, it was only my first full year in the saddle trap. So I probably, you know, we lost so much. I guarantee you that I did not have the privilege um, to be excused from the game early to go ring the victory bells that day. So I wish I could yeah. say that was probably me you heard. It almost certainly was not. <laughs> it's kind of sad when you win that infrequently that you can like pinpoint the opponent and like where you were when the victory bells were ringing. <laughs> we um, beat OU, I believe. In yeah, it is very sad. Yes, I do remember ten years ago we beat OU. That's the one I'm thinking of. No, it's like a holy mother of God, we did it. I can't. <laughs> Everybody, wake up. Yeah. Well, good thoughts, Ty. I think we probably kind of agree with you on the on the youth. Like you definitely have some young guys, but uh, like I said earlier, I, uh, I hope Jackson can chime in at some point. But he kind of had the breakdown on on minutes played in conference play when you. When you look at that, when you look at it that way, it it, it kind of shows that like we might be a little bit less inexperienced, but not so much to like explain away a, an zero and eight starting conference play. Sure, no no doubt. Not, not yeah, definitely not not trying to make excuses there. There is a, definitely a factor of these guys just playing together. Um, I think what's the, the most disturbing thing about tonight is just really, and you guys probably talked about it already because I came in a little bit late, but honestly, just getting your ass kicked on the boards. <laughs> The way we did yeah. is really disturbing for kind of what our what we have built this brand to be over the last few years. Um, and you know, I think a lot of that's Huggins should maybe get a little bit of credit. We kept they kept getting our bigs out on the perimeter um, and just far away from the basket. So you know, every time I would see a shot go up, I was like, "Oh hell, we got Davion down there trying to is he going to box out and grab this book?" More, we got all of our smaller guys down there. So I mean, part of that's just not adjusting and getting our bigs not in positions to get boards with some of it, you're just kind of getting out hustled. And, you know, I think it's that and just still the same kind of poor off ball movement. The screens we set are really uninspiring. They're not pro pro providing much resistance for the guy who has the ball. It's just, uh, it's rough. I don't want to make everybody feel sad with just more <laughs> bad news. Um, so I will comment on the uniforms, but I'll let someone else talk, but always good to uh, chat with you all and, uh, you know, try to keep your heads up. Yeah. Thanks, well, thank you for the thoughts, Ty. I'm glad you're uh, out of Twitter jail. Um, all right, let's get to Irrational and uh, see what he's got to say from a Mountaineer fan's perspective. How's it going, man? Hey, how are y'all doing? Pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, about as good as you can after after watching that. Yeah, he's the moonshine. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a tough one for both teams. That's what I was going to say. The my biggest problem with Big 12 basketball this year is just, I don't know, it seems like the refs just the slow the pace down and it just is almost unbearable to watch sometimes the way they, they call it. You don't know how it's going to go, but um, I know we're, we were in the same boat as you guys where just a lot of losses, and I know it can uh, be daunting, but that's how the Big 12 is just so tough. Well, I think you guys are still in, a, in an okay spot. I mean, obviously it's, it's going to be hard to – climbed the standings too much but i think going into the night y'all's net ranking was like 28 or 29 yeah so if y'all can scrape together seven or eight big 12 wins i think y'all still might get in and yeah it, it would be it would be so brutal if i mean i want the big 12 to be like a nine bid league that'd be yeah. awesome but if we're the one the only school that's at home while everybody else is dancing that'll be a little bit tough yeah for sure and that's what the like the announcer said during during the game if we were both of us were in the pac 12 we'd be automatic we are already be in the tournament just the big 12 is so stacked like someone's got to be left out on <laughs> but uh, yeah the non-con uh, for sure because uh I, I think you're a 12 seat if the season ended today according to like hoops hd and some of the the services that yeah we use, so hey yeah the computers love us still for some reason even <laughs> after all these losses but that's good y'all finally good. got the 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 best basketball we've played in a while because it's been Poor free throw shooting, 
that what the big the beginning of the game. That's how we usually look for the entire game. We finally got some turnovers cleaned up and actually was making some shots, even if the, if they were banks. But <laughs> yeah, I was I was frustrated at those. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> especially if y'all had won by like four or five with those two bank shots. Um, <laughs> they need to like change the rules. That shouldn't count. It should be like yeah, yeah. you have to call it. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But anyway, I think, uh, you know, Morgantown is such a tough place to play for everyone else in the Big 12 just because yeah. it's, you know, different time zone. you got to travel pretty far. So hopefully you all can get some home wins and, and scrape up enough of a resume to get into the tournament. Um, like I said, I, I'm pretty much rooting for as many teams as possible to go. Yeah. Same here. That's how, how I feel. Big 12 supremacy. But I uh, appreciate you all letting me talk, and I appreciate it. All y'all's content and Twitter are the best Big Twelve Twitter account out there. So, yeah, hey, keep it up with the memes. I, <laughs> Thank I <love> you. Memes. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, Rob, who's next? Uh, let's pull Alex in. Uh, Alex, how you doing, man? Hey, how's it going, guys? The local legend. I figured. Uh, yeah, I, I haven't talked to some of y'all in a while, so glad to chime in here. Uh, kind of wanted to piggyback off what Ty was talking about earlier, uh, you know, and everybody's mentioned it, but clearly the Big 12 is a gauntlet. Like, you know, you know, even the worst team in it is is going to be good. It's just you have to play that schedule night in and night out. Um, but the one thing that has been kind of keeping us you know, in the conversation and then in the tournament talk for years is that you defend your home. You know, you you win your home games as many as you can. You sneak out one or two on the road. You know, even last year, obviously undefeated season at home, but they only took, I think, three wins on the road. Um, so you don't expect to be able to pull those off. But at least, you know, you know, with the energy and, and everything kind of surrounding the home game, you play up to that challenge. And we've seen that every year, whether it's the, the returners or the newbies, like you're saying, Bryson coming in and you, know, you just knew he had that clutch gene and it was a lot of fun. Um, but. You know, I, I watched the game. I heard the crowd. It sounded loud, despite the fact that clearly it's not the best start. Like, the fans aren't giving up. The student section doesn't seem to be giving up. But it seemed like the players kind of gave up there. You know, I, I know there were a couple unlucky threes that banked in. And, you know, I know it's a little disheartening, but it seemed like the guys on the court gave up faster than the guys in the crowd. And I think that's one of the things that really needs to kind of curb is you don't want to see it, you know, like Ty mentioned, where – you can hear one guy yelling from the crowd. Uh, I think they've built up such a good home court that, you know, you, the fans have to be respected for that. Um, I just want to make sure that these guys aren't taking, uh, taking it for granted and that they're going out there. And even if they're down 10, they're still showing some heart. Yeah, that's, that's tough. And I think it's fair criticism. Um, Raider riot. I, I see them listening in and, I know you had experience there at the USA playing the music, I think, but the the atmosphere that's been built is really good, and I think it'll be sustained through the student section, but I don't know how much longer... I mean, you look at the rest of the USA, it's fairly empty, uh, especially late in that second half when West Virginia kind of extended. So uh, I know that on TV it's always going to sound loud because of that student section. I think Raider Riot's done a great, great job. But, yeah, I think you do run the risk if you're not playing hard throughout to have a strong home court advantage the rest of the season with maybe some season ticket holders or just kind of the local yokels that want to go up there to catch a basketball game, me included. Yeah, and you know that, like, obviously Texas is still going to be Texas. Like, you're still going to get the crowd and all that stuff. But, yeah, I mean, this is Western. This is the second, no offense to ear over here, like, this is, this is the team you're supposed to be able to beat at home. Like, Georgetown isn't supposed to win any Big East games, except for DePaul comes there and they finally have a chance. And it's really hard to kind of buy into this team. Like, I, I don't blame anyone talking negatively right now just because you it's hard knowing that from here on out, every game is going to be statistically harder to win than this one. Um, but, you know, what, what can you really do? You just kind of got to keep your support and just keep hoping for the best and hope somehow one of these games ends up going your way yeah good thoughts all around and and that is kind of I mean I guess maybe we could save this conversation for after the season but one of the more one of the more disappointing parts of of having a a down year like this um, I mean I I knew we weren't going to like continue the home win streak for forever 
but now to lose, I think, three straight Big 12 games, um, OU, Baylor, oh, four in a row because Kansas was also um, at the USA. It feels like it's kind of lost some of the uh, the magic from, from last season. And, and the Raider Riot, to your point, is still doing a great job. I mean, students seem into it. They're still doing, like, the, the theme nights. Tonight was Jersey night. And, you know, so it seems like they're still very engaged and active, which is awesome to see. But yeah, like to Rob's point, you kind of lose the more quote-unquote casual fan, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way. And I, I probably fall into that category, you know, not living in Lubbock anymore. I can I can go back on the weekends and, and go to the game or, you know, choose not to drive four or five hours. And, you know, when it, when you're undefeated at home and in the top 15, you know, that it compels people to show up. But when they're having a season like this and, you know, that feeling starts to sink in of, well, this isn't a very consequential game, then – you know, people are like, well, I'll just, you know, go watch my nephew's soccer game or, you know, clean out the attic, you know, do something like that instead. So th- that part has kind of sucked. And uh, but but I think it'll take far more than just like one down year to just lose the the home court atmosphere that you've built up over the years. And uh, it's good to see. I, th- I think that starts and ends with the student section and the Raider riot. So as long as they're still there, I think it can it can turn around as soon as the performance on the court does as well. All right, let's try to grab uh, Jackson. Then we have Casey, Real TJ Otts, and uh, Texas Tech Championship after that. So let's uh, hit Jackson. Hey, can you hear me now? We got you. Yes, sir. What kind of, oh, okay, what kind yeah. of saloon door are you <laughs> was, was that the saloon door closing <laughs> behind you? Uh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're really not that young of the team. I mean, we're obviously the youngest team in the big 12, but if you look at the breakdown by our roster, I mean, Kansas on average, they have like 2.94 years of experience out there and we're less than a 10th under that. And pretty much with Baylor too, and freshman minutes and with Kansas, they're both top either top four or bottom four with us in freshman three-plus years or four-plus years of experience. So I kind of feel like the experience things pretty much com- is overblown, especially with Tyson and Isaacs are probably two of our best players. I think it's one thing when people say you're a young team. I think it's another thing when people say you're inexperienced because Baylor, yeah. Baylor has a lot of experience together, especially – Flagler and some of these guys that have been there, Flo Thamba, uh, Kansas has three or four guys that have been there and are, you know, competing. Kevin McCuller in the Big 12 has been competing. Uh, you have some new, even your older guys, Amax not been in the Big 12. Demarion Williams has not been in the Big 12. Kerwin Walton has not been in the Big 12. So you're inexperienced together and you're one of the younger teams. And I think it's more of the and than just one or the other. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'd agree with that, but a big part of that has to fall on Adams for not being able to keep Wilson, Nadoni, McCole, or, or Shannon, or even Agbo, who's doing pretty well at uh, Boise. Certainly, certainly. And I, I think roster management and roster makeup is one of the main things that Kyle and I have been talking about. Um, and if you want to blame it on the recruiting staff, you want to blame it on Adams. I, I know we're all trying to find somebody to blame at 0-8, but that's certainly one of the issues on this team. Isn't TJ doing like 18-6 and six at Illinois? I mean, that, yes. that yeah. stings. And then K-State loses Nigel Pack, and he's scoring like six less points a game Yeah, at Miami. But even guys like I, I don't want to beat this horse to death. But on our last episode, we talked about guys that were already in the program and played at a certain level last year. Uh, not only haven't improved, but have like markedly regressed. And so it's not even a matter of like, oh, if those transfers would have stayed, then you know this would have happened or that would have happened. Like the guys that stayed in your program and you should be developing should be a year faster, stronger, wiser. You know, put up tens of thousands more shots in the off season are like not as good at basketball as they were last year. And so that is a concern. Um, It's not just recruiting. It's also player development. So um, Casey, I think you were next and then we'll get to the real TJ Osselberger. 
Yeah, what's up, guys? So, um, I was just going to ask y'all's opinion on if y'all think we'll be able to keep any of these guys. So, I know it's early and a lot will happen from now until next year. But assuming we don't turn it around, uh, like, what are y'all's thoughts on being able to keep some of our key players? Like, <clears throat> I know people leave and that's part of it, especially with the transfer transfer portal but i think it would be huge to at least have an idea of what we'll be working with next year like i think it would be positive to retain guys like pop tyson and fisher and then you'll have Lindsay and steffi joining the team as well next year so i'm just curious on your thoughts on our progress towards potentially keeping any of these guys yeah it's natural at 0 and 8 to start thinking about next year but it's impossible it really is um it, i would say Based on the past two years, you will be replacing at least 50% of the team. And I don't know what that looks like and where it comes from, but it would be impossible for me to say a certain guy is returning or not returning. Right. But yeah, I, but I, I understand I the I understand the, uh, the question. Yeah, and, and I noticed Fisher is taking down, like, his tech post, and, you know, he skipped his senior year of high school, and he's young, so it would be great to have a guy of his talent join the team again next year. But, yeah, I was just wondering if y'all had any thoughts. But, yeah, you're right. guess it is I mean, a little early. I mean, even in a really good year last season, um, you lost some of your best players who still had eligibility remaining. So I think part of it is just the the world of college athletics now. There's – guaranteed with absolute certainty going to be some turnover. It's just a matter of how much. And so, yeah, to Rob's point, I mean, there's almost no way to know on individual players, but I think um, hopefully the mindset is, you know, uh, guys that you think have a high ceiling that just need more time in the program, maybe like an Elijah Fisher, hopefully guys like that are back. And then also guys like Bacho that, you know, aren't, aren't ready to go play at the next level, but have or after this season are going to have some pretty legitimate minutes and experience in the big 12. Um, you know, he'd be a key piece coming back. So, you know, you, I think basically what I'm saying is you just hope to minimize the damage in the portal, but you're not going to avoid it altogether in, in today's world. Yeah, for sure. I think it'd be huge for next year to keep some of those guys that I listed. Yeah. Good thoughts, Casey. Uh, let's get to real TJ Altelberger, then we'll go to Texas Tech Championships. What's up, guys? Uh, just wanted to say I watched a little bit at the very end tonight. You know, I, I took my bet away tonight after I saw AMAC was out, which was kind of – I didn't I had no idea until 20 minutes before tip-off. But, you know, going back to kind of what Casey said, uh, you know, it, it, you see what Kansas State's doing right now. It, it and I, you know, Iowa State did this too. You know, bringing TJ last year. You know, going to the tournament after a two and twenty-two season. It's it, it teams can have a bad year and then rebound really quickly, especially with the transfer portal. Yeah, I guess that's the upside to today's era. Like it's hard to sustain a team and and sustain chemistry, but also, yeah, you can go from dreadful to like a top 10 team in the country. Like, I mean, like Iowa state has shown in, in two years, Kansas state in one year under Jerome Tang. So, yeah, I think that's the part that gives you hope is if you can nail some evals in the transfer portal and um, turn the roster over, like in a good way, you can be right back to top of the big 12 um, very quickly. You know, it's not like that in football with an 85 man roster. You, have, you pretty much have to build that over two or three years minimum. Um, even with the portal, but basketball, yeah, I mean, you can get three dudes out of the portal and totally changes the the team dynamic. So I guess that is the upside is like, even if let's say tech goes 0 and 18, which I don't think that'll happen, but I mean, yeah, they could, they could flip the switch in the off season pretty quickly in, in today's era of college basketball. So I guess that is a, a silver lining to a season like this. And then I just wanted to hear what your thoughts were on the, Big 12 SEC challenge this weekend. Uh, in my opinion, I just think it's I think it's just terrible to do it during the middle of the season. I don't think any of the Big 12 teams really care that much, maybe outside of Kansas, Kentucky, about what happens this weekend. You know, like me, I, I, don't, I could care less about, you know, we're most likely you have to go to – we're going to Missouri on Saturday. So, I mean, I would say they're probably not going to win. Caleb Grill is probably – if I were – Odds, I'd probably just sit them and then play them against you guys on Monday, which 
which was huge that we got that win on yesterday against K-State because you lose that one, and then you, you more than likely you might lose on Saturday. That Tech game becomes all of a sudden really big, and, you know, that game isn't going to be easy. So, Well, thanks for saying it's not going to be easy. I, I appreciate that. Um, big Monday is always crazy. Uh, I would love for the Big 12 SEC challenge to not be in the middle of the season, uh, but it is. I think there's some really good matchups. Uh, and I, I think if you're the Big 12, uh, you need to have a good weekend, uh, especially if you want eight teams in the tournament. I know one weekend does not change. And it's kind of it's kind of talked about as how the Big 12 is this gauntlet and it's the best conference in the world. And then the SEC Big 12 Challenge the last two years, the SEC has won. So I think there's some good matchups. Tennessee-Texas is a great matchup. Baylor-Arkansas, even though Arkansas is not doing as well this year, that's a great matchup. Uh, TCU should beat Mississippi State by 30. Uh, Kansas State should beat Florida by 30. Uh, Ole Miss-Oklahoma State might end up being a good game. Texas Tech-LSU should be pretty even. So I think there's some uh, good matchups in that. and It should be a good weekend of basketball, and I love that you know, it's 11, 1, 1, 1, 3, 3, 5, 5, 7, 7. So you're going to have it all day long, too. Yeah, and then my last thing was uh, who, who, who in the Big 12 are you buying the most stock of right now? Because, you know, after watching K-State up and close last night, that's the best team we've played all year. And I know Kansas fans, or we lost to Kansas, but that is the best team we've played all year up close and personal. I think if I was buying stock in one team, it would be Kansas State. But TCU, I'm still intrigued by TCU, and, and obviously Iowa State would, would be right there with those three. Um, I think those three teams are really intriguing. Texas Baylor would be next, and then Kansas I think is sixth right now in the conference, which is crazy. Kyle, do you have I think I saw – yeah, I you know I love to go for the value picks, and I think Baylor is sixth right now in the um, futures odds to win the conference, and I don't think they'll do that. But if we're if we're using that as a power ranking, I think they're better than the sixth place team in this conference, and so I, I would buy stock in Baylor based on their current price point. I would too. I I think that the three teams that I would like I really like right now is you know I really like TCU. I think. They started off, they struggled early on, but boy, they are explosive on offense, especially in transition. And then I really like this Baylor team too. You know, they've won five straight after starting 0-3. And then Kansas State, it's just, it's just hard not to they're, – they're just so good offensively. You know, they're just not very big. The one thing that kills K-State is they're just not very big inside. Yeah, that's certainly a hole in their their roster. And, and you mentioned it with TCU; they're just so explosive in transition, and they're they're old. <laughs> and we talk about the youth and inexperience with Texas Tech; they're old, man. They they all played together before TCU and, and Kansas State and Iowa State all have that kind of connection. Uh, Baylor too, and Texas and Kansas. I mean, you, you look at the top six teams in the conference; they all have age and experience. So, yeah, tough tough and it's you know from the outside looking in right now with texas tech being the 10th team in the conference so um if i was to place a futures bet on the big 12 champion iowa state kansas state would be up there uh, but i i still like tcu they just have to be consistent down the stretch and i don't know that i trust jamie dixon as much as i trust that roster and with the big 12 being so you know we can tell who the top six teams are but i just think the what's going to separate the top six teams is who can take care of, you know, the Oklahoma States, the Oklahomas, the Techs, and the West Virginias, who's going to take care of those teams on the road. And, you know, who's going to, who's going to fight the top of the uh, top of the league. Yeah. And at well this point, said. I just want to play spoiler, right? Yeah. I think that's like basically the role you're going to have to play. Like somebody's going to drop a, a home game to Tech or West Virginia at like a really inopportune time for their either conference title aspirations, their seeding aspirations. And, um, it, it does kind of sound cliche, but like this conference is just stacked enough to do that. Like I know Tech fans think that we're this like terrible basketball team, but we're probably still one of the 
I don't know, probably still in the top, like what, 25, 30% of division one programs. And so that's not dreadful. Like, like everybody else has made the point, well, you'd be middle of the pack in the pack 12 or ACC or whatever. And so, um, yeah, I think you could potentially play spoiler and hopefully we play spoiler to the teams that we, uh, dislike the most and not our, not our dear friends up in Ames. Um, uh, okay, Tiny Hippo. I think you are next. Speaking of our dear friends and names, he's got the bridge as his cover photo. He's like the quintessential <laughs> Iowa State fan. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I gotta, I gotta rep my school. But love you guys' content. Love you guys' fans. I know I was talking with Ty earlier today, and a couple other Texas Tech fans here on Twitter. And uh, you know, it, it, it's kind of sad to see where Texas Tech is at now. I'm, I'm shocked by it. I didn't expect to see it. I expected to see you guys top half easily and so uh from my perspective i guess if you guys if you guys had to pick out like matchups that you think you can take that aren't i I mean you got oklahoma state twice i want you guys to beat texas i'm sure you all echo that sentiment and uh i i just i look at the schedule and i'm like where where do they pick up wins where can this team you know, make a push here late in the season. I want to. I want to hear your guys' thoughts on that. Yeah, I, I do think the we, we were discussing the home atmosphere earlier. I think that'll definitely pick up for the Texas game. And you know, honestly, we were uh, should have beat them in Austin. I mean, I think we had at one point an eleven or twelve point lead um, around the half, and just completely squandered it in the second half, which has been a, a theme this year. But I think that'd be a potential home court victory opportunity. I think Oklahoma State, like you mentioned, even OU, even though that return trip is in Norman, they'll have a great home court advantage. Um, I don't know. I mean, part of it sort of depends on where the team's mindset is at. Like, they were very competitive with TCU and Texas the first time around, but that was when they had the entire season in front of them. And so, I don't know, it could be a totally different team the next time they face those opponents that they – played well against for 25, 30 minutes at a time. But those would be a few that I would, I guess, identify as our, our best opportunities to, to notch some wins before the season ends. Yeah, that, that makes perfect sense to me. And just to echo uh, Real TJ's point, I, even if you guys did miss on transfers this year, the, the whole market has just shifted. It seems like you can build a roster straight through that transfer portal and and compete that next year. I I know you mentioned Iowa State is one of the more experienced teams and has played together, but that wasn't the case last year. Uh, that team was assembled out of out of nowhere. And so now they've played together, but last year that wasn't the case. That was a Sweet 16 team. Some lucky matchups in March Madness, I'll concede, but and that was a team that you guys absolutely embarrassed in Kansas City, if I recall. Embarrassed well, a couple times. So. Yeah, and, and to your point, Iowa State won, what, seven Big 12 games, and a lot of them were really late. They struggled mildly yeah. early. So, uh, I mean, yeah, it, it was, but they came together at the end, and you're right, it was a 30-point loss in the Big 12 tournament, and then they turned around and went to the Sweet 16. So I'm not ruling anything out, but certainly discouraged at 0-8. Thanks for your thoughts there, Tiny Hippo. Yeah, you guys have a good night. For sure. Uh, Texas Tech Championships, what's up, man? Sorry, my uh, space is fazzed out earlier. Um, I was just wondering how you guys think this will play out at the end of the season with Kirby Hocutt and Dusty Womble. And I'm just curious how you think it's going to go. Rob, I'll let you go first. <laughs> um, well, it's already kind of getting warm, yeah, with uh, Dustin Womble talking in a couple of boards and and some public comments. Other boosters have had public comments. And Can you speak to that? I actually haven't seen that. What, what are you referring to? Uh, there was a comment where I guess Dustin Womble on, on Red Raider Sports was like, hey, here I am. I've, I've changed my handle so you can know what I'm saying. And I, I don't, he, he didn't call for a job or anything, but he, he's just being more public on, on some comments. I don't remember exactly what he said, but it was, it was striking because um, – if there are comments or, or anything else being publicized um, and it wasn't too negative, it's just, 
if it's public now, it, something's going on, right? And I don't want to try to read into it, but I will say this. Kirby Hokut is going to have a really tough decision if Mark Adams is 0-18 in the Big 12. If they can finish strong and win four or five, I don't think that's a tough decision. I think that's a slam dunk. I mean, that's a that's already decided if that happens. Well, yeah, but it's still a tough decision to fire a coach in year two. Uh, And I I do agree that if he's 0-18, it makes it an easier decision. But I think it's semantic saying it's not a tough decision, especially for a guy like Mark Adams, a guy from Brownfield, a Texas Tech grad. I, I think it would be a tough decision for those guys, but. It, yeah, and, and it would also it's, be it, it's interesting. It, right it would also be it would also be Kirby admitting that the extension he gave him a calendar year prior was stupid. And so, so I was looking at that contract, by the way, and it's only sixty percent guaranteed. So it's it would only be six million. I mean, we say only six yeah. million. I think that's what we paid to fire Cliff, and you know, the football coach makes substantially more than the basketball coach. Um, of course, I'm not pitching in for the buyout. So if if somebody else wants to pay six million, that's it, it's not coming out of my wallet. But um, I, 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 don't I just think say that a, just so there's no enough figure to just like brush it aside and say, oh, they can easily. I mean, they could, but right. it'll have to take like a lot of conviction to do it. I think. No, I'm just saying there's not. I don't want people to think that there's like a seven year, twenty million dollar contract around our neck or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I got gotcha. you. It's gotcha. it's not the buyout though. It's the admittance that you're wrong. And and there's still ego involved. It's not the money. You want to know what I think? How this will play out? I, sure, go I ahead. Think it's gonna come. I think it's going to come down to the guys that run the Matador Club because if if I run the Matador Club and I'm Dusty Womble, and what matters is the NIL now. Like the guy just said, you can rebuild your roster with NIL in a year. If he goes to Kirby and says, "We're not funding Tech Athletics or basketball next year for NIL purposes," I mean. That that's that's what matters. The Matador Club isn't running the basketball nil, and Dusty Womble is not a part of the Matador Club. But I agree with you're you're saying there's some there's some thought process there. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, it, it's an interesting hypothetical, and that's where going back. I don't know how early you got in the spaces. Kind of one of those differences between a six and twelve campaign and a two and 16 campaign, like one of those, you can chalk it up to like, okay, yeah, we were rebuilding. We had some injuries, whatever. And then the other is like just a dreadful, almost inexcusable performance. So, you know, the, the games don't matter in the sense of like NCAA tournament seeding or anything like that, but they might matter from, from that perspective in terms of what happens after the season ends. Uh, quick shout out, not only to our sponsors, Barnett, Howard and Williams, but also to Mateo Nomeo. Love you, man. Wreck uh, I think you're next, and then we'll go to Carson. Yes, yeah, so with everybody saying that uh, the seat's hot for Adams and all that, who who do all these people expect to bring in? You know, like, what are the hot names out there? I mean, you don't really hear anybody dropping any names that they want to bring in. They just want Adams gone. So that's a fair question to ask because, yeah, if you fire the head coach, you obviously have to replace him with somebody else. But weren't we telling everybody after Beard left what an attractive job this was and that we had the greatest fan base, we had the greatest facilities, home court advantage that you could recruit to Lubbock. Now we have the NIL infrastructure that I think a lot of other Power 5 schools would envy. Um, when, when Beard was here and winning, he was making top 5, top 10 money. And so it, I think it's an attractive job. I don't think at all that we'd be in a position where if we fired Mark Adams – we wouldn't be able to lure a highly competent and attractive head coach to the job. Um, as far as specific names, I guess I probably haven't thought that far. I think maybe a guy like Talvin Hester would be considered. Um, I'm not saying Jerome Tang, but a guy like Jerome Tang, who's been a top assistant in this league for a long time and you know is known to be a good recruiter. Um, I think they could look to kind of copy that hire. I mean, it worked for the Texas Tech football program. It's clearly working for Kansas State basketball. So I think you'd have a lot of options, and I think that it would be an attractive job should it come open. Agreed. What's up, Carson? Well, and to, to add to that, I was going to say another name you could start looking at is a Richard Patino type name like that. Look what he's doing in New Mexico. 
Um, he's got them ranked in the top 25 and a job that really over the years, I mean, obviously you have one of the coolest arenas there um, in New Mexico, but that's a tough job to, to recruit to Albuquerque is pretty much people say it's hard to recruit to Lubbock. It's just like recruiting to Lubbock. If you're recruiting to Albuquerque, almost probably harder. Are you saying Petino, it's all West Texas? Yes. Richard what, Petino's what, in New bro? Mexico? Yeah, he's at UNM. Is this his first year? Because he just got fired at Minnesota, yeah? Uh, Two years ago, yeah. Okay, all right. But all right. he's, I mean, you know, what he's done in New Mexico, obviously that's what I'm saying. If he can do that in New Mexico, then – you're trying to get a big name, a name, a guy that has name recognition and, and keep with that kind of stuff, then there's a name right there. He's got a team in the top 25 that they haven't been great in the last few years and they've been middle of the mountain West. So um, just a, just a thought throwing names out, you know, it's way too early to do all those things, but just, just, uh, I just saw them playing earlier this week and it's like, ah, okay. Richard Patino's actually winning basketball games now. Okay. Um, but anyways, what I was going to say is, and I just got into the spaces, so I'm sure y'all probably already gone over this, but the, uh, the transfer portal, the way that everything's done now, the way that you build teams doing all these things. I mean, you look at this Texas tech roster, it's, it's all transfer portal guys, plus some freshmen that have come in and have played good minutes for you and pop Isaacs and, and Jalen Tyson and, and those guys. And obviously Jalen's a kind of pseudo red shirt freshman for what it, what it's worth, but the transfer portal sometimes this is just going to happen. You're, you're gonna, you're going to get guys in who have talent. There's no arguing that this this roster has talented dudes on it, but whether those guys can come in and give you um, the kind of team that you want to have is all going to be dependent upon the year because you're going to see this this happen a lot. I think in the next few, however long it does, however long the transfer portal stays alive in college athletics, especially in basketball, because it's such, you know, the teams are five, you know, 10 guys, 12 guys deep. And if you're going to pull from that transfer portal and bring in most of your guys every single year, along with three or four freshmen, from the transfer portal and have new rosters, you're going to have to find ways to help them gel better. And sometimes they gel like last year and, and the last couple of years where it's happened and it's all gelled together really well, where you've had good pieces coming back. But I think that's what Texas tech missed is you have Kevin O'Banner. Who's the only guy who played a ton of minutes for you last year. He came back. Is he the kind of leader you needed? Some people thought he could be, but obviously he's not. So um, those are the kind of problems you run into right now in the transfer portal. I think you're seeing a lot of that this year. And obviously um, the uh, the stuff with Mark Adams and the coaching staff turnover and whatever the turmoil is there is kind of a, a secondary to that. But I think the transfer portal, this sometimes just not going to go the way you want it to. And right now for Texas Tech fans, unfortunately, it's your year for that to happen. That's just the uh, the sad reality of it. It's um, it's been a little bit hit or miss at Texas Tech hiring former Minnesota basketball coaches. Uh, I would say it worked out okay. <laughs> Tubby, with, with Tubby it worked Smith. out with, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, Coach Stallings not so much. So I I don't know, and maybe uh, like I said when when uh, the other guy asked, I I haven't really like thought through potential names or anything yet. So uh, I'm a little bit scared of the of the last name. <laughs> um. But I don't know if he's got a clean track record. I, I guess I might be open to it. Um, but yeah, we're, we're you know I guess a long ways from that. If that's a conversation that needs to be had after the season. How's Iona doing? Just unrelated. Go Gales. <laughs> oh man. Uh, final thoughts, Kyle. We've we've been going for over an hour. Uh, I guess there's only so much, and we've kind of devolved into firing Mark Adams now, and I. I don't really want to do that. I, I know we're going to after every loss, but uh, any final thoughts on tonight or moving forward or maybe even the LSU game? Uh, the one thing we didn't touch on was Pop Isaacs left the game and came back to the bench in a boot, which, again, I mean, the rest of the games this season don't matter in terms of like postseason prospects. But you certainly hope he's okay and, and want him – uh, primarily to be healthy and for that not to be a serious injury, but secondarily to be able to continue to get minutes as one of the younger guys on the team. 
So, uh, and then of course, Amac, this news broke before the game, of course. Um, he was back in a walking boot. I don't know if he might have reaggravated if he was sore, but both of them uh, back out, back in a walking boot. And so that'll be something to, of course, follow moving forward. But I think that's all I had in the way of final thoughts. Just for those, because I didn't get to watch it on TV a lot, so I listened to the, to the radio broadcast, which you can almost find out more about what's going on with the team through those two, through level especially. Um, what they said about AMAC was level just did not sound like it was good news on Fardos, on him even coming back to play at all the rest of the year. And then for Pop, it was he's out for this game and he'll have further testing um, tomorrow to see exactly what happened. But um, they, I think it was just more caution more than anything tonight. Obviously, it's going to be caution the rest of the year because you're not going anywhere after the regular season's over. So that's all that I heard on the radio broadcast. Yeah, Jeff would... Goodman is going to have a field day with that. Oh, good. Uh, oh, I, my God. I, I guarantee you neither of them play against LSU, or at least shouldn't. Just save them for the Big 12, especially a short turnaround on Big Monday. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, somebody's got to somebody's got to get a losing streak uh, taken care of against LSU. Yeah, yeah. Aren't yeah. they, aren't they gonna... on a seven game bender? Yeah, somebody's gonna finally get in the win column. I hope it's us. Hope so. Man, I feel um, <laughs> I feel bad for Barnett, Howard, and Williams. Such a great loyal sponsor, three outstanding Red Raiders that run a fine law practice, yeah. and they're stuck with a preseason arrangement of sponsoring these uh, post games, which so far have not been kind to us. Would you call but 0 8 appreciate... a catastrophic injury, Kyle? <laughs> yeah, catastrophic injury to um, to the program's national perception, I guess. I don't, I don't know if they can sue over it, but... <laughs> Uh, if they wanted to, <laughs> they would know who to call, right? BHWLawFirm.com. Uh, appreciate all of you for sticking with us. I know the losses aren't fun, but um, to me, they uh, they they pass a little more easily when we get to chop it up and have some fun in the in the people's post game. So thank you all for joining and for your comments, questions, and hopefully we'll be back with with uh, with better news uh, next week. We'll see. Hey, Maddie, when we hang up, you need to show me how to do the different colored hearts on here because that, that's pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, Rob, that's all I got. All right. Love y'all. Love y'all. <laughs>